Welcome to the Busy Business Women podcast, where you have VIP access to discover the wins and wisdom that have helped successful business brains build businesses that boom. With your host, Faye Hollands from busybusinesswomen.biz. Hi, Faye Hollands from busybusinesswomen.biz here and welcome to episode 27 of the Busy Business Women podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here and I've got a corker for you today. If you have ever run a mile from the word funnel, if you've ever struggled to write an email nurture campaign or have no idea what one is, and if you ever get your knickers in a twist over copywriting, then listen up because I have the very fabulous Shell Higgs from The Funnelry here today, who is going to help us with all of that and more, I'm sure. So let me tell you a little bit about Shell to start with. Shell is a funnel strategist and copywriter who helps service providers use stories to get paid. Chiching. She nerds out over email marketing and increasing conversions, except that she'd rather stab her eye than do it the boring way. So she's our kind of lady, right? Shell has banned everything ick and sleaze from funnels and instead works with women to create subscriber experiences where you draw people into your list and show them a good time all the way through to buying your services, live events and digital goodies. That is music to my ears. So let me tell you a little bit more about Shell. She's a single mum to two gorgeous girls and has said that she would rather, she would only, sorry, start dating again for the lawn mowing and heavy lifting. I hear you. She's got three uni degrees and is seriously considering doing a PhD in something for no other reason than to be called a doctor. She lives in sunny, brizzy Australia, is allergic to latex, has a right hand that is permanently busted. If you need some tomatoes or strawberries, she's your lady. She grows them and she's a shameless shockaholic. Uh, I think that those are all the reasons why I wanted her to join us today, apart from the fact that she's super smart and is a guru in a space where so many people struggle. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Shell Higgs from the Funnelry to the podcast today. So Shell, I'm so thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I listened to a few of yours and they're so much fun and so relaxed. Well, that was the right thing to say. So thank you very much. Well done. (laughs) You've got a gold star already on your McDonald's badge. I'm thrilled. Okay. Now, look, I know, I already know from chatting to you beforehand, I think we're going to find this very easy and uh, probably could talk for hours as I usually do with my guests. So we'll get cracking straight away. And I'm sure we're going to go off at many tangents because I've got a lot to ask you. So first of all, let's talk about your business journey. You've been in the marketing tech and training realm for 20 years now. You definitely don't look old enough. Why did you <laughs> to become your own boss? And what's the reality been like for you over the last three years? Because that's how long you've been running the funnelry, right? That's right, yeah. Well, you know, being across like the marketing tech and training, there's so many facets to it. And I kind of felt like I was establishing a new career every few years, mm-hmm. but each one wasn't right. So I was, you know, getting jack of, you know, the long hours, leaving at sunrise, home well after dark. And you know, eventually when I had kids, I was barely seeing them. So yeah. I was dropping them off at before school care, you know, bye, have breakfast with them. Love you. And then yeah. we come back and it'd be dark and it'd just be before closing and here is a sandwich for dinner now, get into bed. And (laughs) that was not what I wanted. And as as a solo parent, it's kind of not feasible to run your life that way. It's exhausting. It's not fair to the kids. And then one Christmas, it just went real in a pile. 
because internal politics had meant my contract renewal hadn't been finalised. And I don't know if you've worked in any government departments, but that means no pay. Oh my and just Lord. before Christmas, Christmas, that is not what you want. No. So I had I had like a super tantrum and I said, yep. yeah, I want independence and I don't need to work for these other people. So I decided to go out on my own and I was like, you know, what skill sets do I have? And I was like, you know, writing lists and doing all sorts of things. And eventually I settled on copywriting because it's always just been a skill and a talent I have. Yeah. So that's what I went out as first, just a general copywriter, you know, hanging my shingle as, you know, Shell Higgs, the copywriter. I was thinking <laughs> about getting stickers on my car and all sorts of stuff. I was, you know, all in. Because <laughs> copywriters need stickers on their car. Absolutely, without a doubt. <laughs> that's exactly how you hire one. Yeah, right. But it, it was actually really tough at first because I was trying to be everyone you know their copywriter that they needed so it didn't matter what the business was I was like you know what you sell tech I'll write for you and they're saying okay that's weird you're just a general copywriter it was just so ridiculously unniched and you know when you come from another job everything's been done for you and when you go out on your own you don't realize how many pieces of the puzzle you're missing yeah so I was taking on low-paying jobs and I didn't like those jobs. I mean, you know, I wrote some really weird gigs. Um, <laughs> one of the gigs I did, you're going to love this, I picked it up on, um, uh, what's that freelancing site, Upwork. Oh, yeah. I did the, the Aussie track for Google. So I was sitting there for two days going, hey, Google, start the radio. Hey, Google. Do this. <laughs> oh, I just Google one. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Really, I... Google's talking now. Um, Yeah, so that was one of the weird, weird gigs I picked up. And it was just because I was worried about rent. So, yeah, when you start a new freelance job like that, you decided this is your your new gig, you're doing everything. Yeah. So, so many weird things. And because I was trying to make rent, I was still getting some uh, support from Centrelink. Mm-hmm. Not ashamed to admit that I was running my business while getting the parenting payment and it, yeah. all the income was declared. Don't worry about that. Nothing sucks went on. <laughs> but don't be afraid to actually reach out for those extra sources. Mm-hmm. It, it's really important. I think we need to realise that. And it's part of the independence, knowing where to ask for help. But while I was doing that, and you know, for the first two years of me having my own business, every time I saw my parents, they're just asking, when are you going to get a real job? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I know you're knowing that one. Yeah, yes. Like when are you I'm, gonna honestly, there's yeah. so much I want to say right now. I'm just going to let you finish your answer because then I'm just going to launch it. <laughs> the, the head is nodding. The head is nodding. And I'm sure our listeners are all nodding away like one of those little things on the front of a car. So, yeah, you carry on and I'll leap in in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they just kept asking, when are you going to go back to work? And, you know, they only stopped when I printed out my profit and loss and put it in front of them. <laughs> I'm serious. I actually had to print out my accounting financials, put it in front of them and say, damn it, I have a job, lay off. Well, good on you that and you, that was- one, could print them off <laughs> and, two, that there were some numbers there to show them. So, you know, that's another two, couple of oh, gold yeah. stars in your badge to start with. Yes, and it doesn't mean they were big numbers. It's just that this makes money. It has potential to scale back off. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. And I really had to dig in my heels for like two years. Because the support wasn't there Mm. and I was just on my own. 
So, of course, in that position, someone who's just started a business, taking on the jobs that aren't right, trying to earn money, so much shiny object syndrome as well. You know, I was trying to take course after course, even though it was things I knew. I was taking like copywriting courses and marketing courses because, of course, these people knew better than me. And, of course, you know, there goes the money that I did earn. But eventually, once I niched down, and I think that was about two years ago, um, into the things I wanted to do, into the things I wanted to write and who for, so much more satisfying and it all just kind of pieced together and of course the profit and loss like a wave in front of my parents that had bigger numbers yeah exactly I mean you you know it's funny because I swear I say this on every podcast episode my listeners will be sick of me talking about niching but it's amazing when I ask this question how many people say that when they started out they didn't have a niche and I did exactly the same as you and I'm not going to go over that again because my listeners have heard it too many times already but it's amazing how many of us make the same mistake and we're unniched and because we've got that you know worried about making rent paying the mortgage whatever we've got bills to pay there's life to pay right that we think that if we keep the net wide, then we're going to get more clients and it's very counterintuitive and you end up taking these jobs that you hate and doing this random weird stuff. And I've everything that you have said, I've done exactly the same. And which is why I get very passionate about this because for anyone that's really new in business and in fact, for anyone that is 5, 10, 15, 20 years along the road and still hasn't niched, it's just as poignant to them, is make sure you do it because your numbers on your P&L will be a hell of a lot stronger once you realize that you've got to make that net tighter and then that's when you start working in the area that you're really awesome at you're passionate about you get better results and so people pay you know more people pay you more money which is obviously the point yeah. that you've got to because you're beautifully niche now which is why I love you and how I came across you because I've I loved your website your copy it's very clear who you're targeting which is me and I just want more and more of what you create but that doesn't come from being unniche does it Oh, God, no. And even when you're unniched, you don't know what to do next. And mm. I know for some of us, we're all about, you know, you shouldn't be talking about the how. You should let it flow and all sorts of things. No, screw that. I need to know what I'm doing tomorrow. I need to know what I'm doing next week. Yes. Otherwise, I am going to go and sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Yeah. I'm hearing you. (laughs) Completely. There needs to be structure. You know, I'm a big fan of, in terms of time management and productivity and planning. There might, it's my guru space. I love it, but there needs to be structure uh, to get results. And uh, I don't believe in sitting back and just waiting for it to happen or just going with the flow. Um, You don't need to be highly strong either, but there's middle ground, right? Okay. But that structure can't come without niching. Yeah, exactly. So I'm super pleased that you niche and this is, you know, and I'm sure it was a very stressful situation not being paid government job at Christmas time, a complete nightmare. Um, But thankfully, here you are three years down the track of running the funnelry, which is awesome. Now, I I really encourage everyone listening to this to go and check out Shell's website, um, which is thefunnelry.com because it's very engaging, very interesting to read, genuinely is. And I was reading your about page prepping for this and there's something that you say on your about page. Um, Shell said, starting a business is one thing, getting it to be profitable enough that you can spend every Monday chilling in your yoga pants and getting hot stone massages is another, isn't it just? Um, There are just so many pieces to the puzzle. You feel like you'll never get there without burning out first. And, you know, my eyes opened, my ears pricked up. Um, There are so many 
women in small business that will be listening to this uh, that that will resonate with. So what I would love to know is what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've experienced in the last three years um, that have you've overcome and how did you go about doing that? All right. Some of them are still in progress because mm-hmm. we are all you know, growing and expanding. But yeah. the first thing I really had to overcome was boundaries. Mm. And even when it's a gig I want to do, I'm really engaged in it. I like I have the contract that says, okay, this ends in 30 days. I'll still be on there in day 31, day 40. Yeah. And just, you know, hey, you know what? You should just tweak this little thing and it'll perform so much better. No, 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 no. Shell, step back. Boundaries, girl, boundaries. Yeah. And if I don't have these boundaries in place and I need to actually formalize them and have them like written on a wall in front of me, I will go and people please the hell out of the entire internet. <laughs> and that's just my personality. Look, I want to help everyone. And if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer. I yes. can't stop myself. But, you know, people pleasing and those boundaries, huge, huge challenge. And it's an ongoing challenge because it's just so easy to slip back into those habits because we rationalize. They're not bad habits. We're helping people. Yeah. I but do exactly the same. Exactly the same. We ran a Q&A yesterday for my clients in the Busy Business Builder program and uh, those of us that were on there, service-based businesses, um, just happened to be all service-based businesses and <laughs> all of us confessed to being people pleasers. And uh, oh, yeah. this completely resonates with me uh, and it's something that I am definitely still working on as well and I'm guilty of because when you said the day 30 versus 31, day 40, I'm the same. I'll have clients that will finish my programs that I've given them lots of warning up front that that day is coming and and there I am two, five, seven, 21 days later, <laughs> still doing the odd thing here and there and sometimes completely over-servicing uh, because I'm a people pleaser and I want to deliver great results and I like those people and they've been lovely and I've found every excuse under the sun to keep going and then have mm-hmm. to rein myself in and remind myself I'm not a charity. And even though they're lovely, yeah. the payment has stopped and there are options to work with me after that. And if they choose yeah. not to, then I need to stop too. But it's hard. Yes, it is. And because you keep delivering and just delivering, there's no need for them to go and engage with those next <laughs> options. Exactly. You just, it's you know, crazy. Putting yourself out of business. <laughs> So what do you do? Like, is it literally for you, like having an, like I've got an Excel spreadsheet of dates that are coming up and I put them in my diary too. And I'm just trying to be stronger with myself about that. Um, You know, and it's that fear of feeling like I'm being a bitch that, you know, it's day 31 now, I've got to cut you off. Like, is there anything that you actually do to stop yourself doing that? Um, like you said, you need to just put your notes in your diary. Mm. And I feel like I'm being a huge bitch too when I when I push back and say, no, <laughs> we're done, here's an example. But I I um I closed a deal with a, a long-term client. I'd had him for years in my general copywriting days, and I said, Look, I've been pricing you like really, really cheap, and I can't do this anymore. And it's not in my niche anymore. So I'm just going to, you know, farewell to this product. I, I wish you well. And I felt so bad about dropping that client, but I'd outgrown him. Yeah. And do you know what his response was? Nothing. Not a single word. He didn't even confirm that I dropped him as a client. So here's me worrying about how he's going to react. Am I a huge bitch? Is he going to hate me? Yeah. Turns out he couldn't care less. 
Oh man, that's such a lesson, isn't it? Because I'm annoyed for you now that he didn't at least say thank you. <laughs> You've been undercharging all the time. I'm like, where's the gratitude? Come on. But yeah, I know. Such an important lesson. We're so worried about what somebody's going to say or think about us when we actually stick to our boundaries and they actually have no reaction at all. No. No, or even if, you know, you do offer the next server, they say, great, sign me up. Yes. Gee, that was easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the flip of it, right, how positive it can actually be. Yes. Okay, so So the first one is boundaries. Any other things that, you know, the biggest challenges that you've overcome? Well, obviously pricing is in there, and I don't think we need to go into the whole deal around that. But the other biggest thing has been identity. And that means giving myself permission to be me. And like you said, on my website, it's engaging. And part of that is because I'm just up there and I'm just throwing in dirty jokes in my funnels. And I'm just, it's a little voice in my head. I'm letting her play. I never used to do that. It would be so formal, so professional, you know, what everyone else had. And and I wasn't involved. Mm. Anyone could have written that. But now when I write copy, I'm in there. I am in there flying my freak flag. People know exactly what they're getting yes. after like, you know, the second email. Yeah. If you land on your website, you know who I am. Um, but you have to give yourself permission to show up authentically as yourself. Even if you don't know who yourself is. I mean, we're all adults and we're all still confused. <laughs> but <Yeah>. it's just, <laughs> you've got to be close to you as you can get. That's so true and such a valuable point for all our listeners because I I can completely relate to what you said about being so formal. You know, I want to talk to you later about how copywriting's changed over the years, but, you know, I've been in business 11 years. My style of writing for my business now is wildly different to how it was at the start and there's lots of reasons Hmm. for that, but one of them is that I came out of corporate thinking I had to be so formal. So I wasn't me at all. I was just this kind of mini version of the corporate life I'd spent 15 years in and it wasn't engaging and it just uh, yeah it was difficult to write because it wasn't me but when I go onto your website and to you know I signed up for your freebie many many months ago and loved it literally I think it was and this is not blowing smoke up your backside it genuinely was (laughs) one of the first kind of nurture campaigns that I've signed up in a long time that I genuinely wanted the next email opened it and read it and I don't remember the last time I did that like I'll dip in and out my email's out of control you know it's just not where my focus is but yours was because you are so you and you're my kind of person so I wanted more from you and I totally see how you know you are true to yourself now I don't know what you were like beforehand but um, I love what I get now so kudos to you like I aspire to be able to get that through my emails because I think you do a phenomenal job of that yeah yeah um basic I mean you know, when everyone says, what should you write in your email? I, I tell them what they should write, but then I go and write mine and basically I'm writing it to entertain myself half the time. <laughs> and that's I mean, yeah, that's there's a, really a good point of view. Yeah. But if it's not entertaining me, there's no point in me sending it. No, exactly. I love that. Okay, so so many golden nugget moments here. What I'd love to get into is a bit of hindsight. If you were to start your business from scratch again, is there anything that you'd do differently? So I'm gathering that boundaries would be on there and pricing. Anything else, kind of tips to help people in the early days of their business that you're happy to share? Sure. Um, The first thing I do, and I can't believe I didn't do this, is start building my list from day one. Uh Aha, yes. And 
I was getting all bogged down in the, I, I should, can't have a list yet because I don't send newsletters. I can't have a new step because I haven't got a proper funnel. I haven't got a course to sell, you know, all these excuses we get in our own way. But it can just be a waitlist page. You can just have one page, even if it's linked to a Facebook form and that's it. And all it says is, hey, I'm starting this up. Would you like to hear more? And that is the start of your audience because you are always going to have higher um, conversions and sales and bookings and all that good stuff from your list than you will from the entirety of the internet. Yes. So you've got to start from day one. Even if you don't know where you're going, just say, look, it's going to be about this broad umbrella. Yep. Who wants in? Well, I had a client say to me the other day, I haven't, um, you know, I haven't got a list. Oh, no, sorry, the question was to her, how many people you got on your list? Well, I haven't really got one because I've only got one on my list. Like, okay, you started. (laughs) That's good. We all had to start one, but you've started, which is exactly what you said. You know, you don't have to wait until you think you're going to have big numbers or that you've got this thing created. You've just got to start now. No, and you don't even need big numbers. I mean, you can have a, a you know a six-figure income quite easily from under a thousand people. Yeah. So just because you only have one person on your list, that is so easy to grow to three hundred, and you know scaling down, that's a pretty nice income. Definitely. I've just actually culled my list massively. I've gone through, and anyone that hadn't opened an email or engaged with it in three months, I, they've been deleted. Um, because mm-hmm. I really want my list to be high quality. I've gone to the days where I was so focused on having big numbers. I now just want good quality people on there, you know, people that actually want to hear from me. So I, yeah. I completely agree with you there. You don't have the big, have to have the big numbers. You just have to have the ideal clients on there. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So build um, list from day second one. Tip. Hmm. Yep. Second tip is find a mentor. And yes. I can't tell you how many times I've sent my website copy or anything like to my mum. And to say, you know, what do you think? Or yeah. to my friends, what do you think? And do you know what they do? They check for typos. Mm-hmm. That is not helpful. <laughs> I don't need someone to check for typos. I'm not that concerned about typos for a start. I mean, there's probably some on there. But there's tech that will do that for me. Yeah. I need a mentor who is in the realm of online marketing because that's where I am. So you've got to find a mentor who understands your area Mm-hmm. who can actually give you some feedback and say, look, I, I don't see you in this area. Um, you, you're not coming through. Well, what is it you actually want them to do on this page? You know, comments like that are going to be invaluable. And if you can get that kind of feedback from day one, doesn't mean you have to go and hire a mentor. You can just, you know, reach out to someone you admire and form a relationship. That's mm-hmm. how most mentorships are formed. Um, but you need to ask. You need to put yourself out there and say, look, I love what you do. Um, be my best friend basically yeah and I think you touched on a really important point there regarding friends and family because most friends and family are you know they they want to um what's the word enablers so they actually want to say that what you've done is good and um well done you know my mum's a prime example love her dearly she's such a big fan of mine but she says that everything I do is great and it isn't so if those are the people that you're going out to you're not getting the right advice where you need it in your business and that you do need somebody that will play devil's advocate or nitpick or give you a different perspective and not just say you're awesome and be your cheerleader and so when you find the right person you know and I've got mentors that are people that I've just met 
over time that I know I can ask for an opinion and I'll get a really valid one. So I think that's mm. great advice. Thank you. Any other um, yeah. things that you'd do differently if you started up again from scratch? Honestly, I would get over my tech obsessions because when we start thinking about starting a business, we're like, well, I've got to have a website. i got to have the email marketing. Oh, I need some video hosting. And about, you know, 30 minutes later, we've spent $1,000 on, you know, recurring investments each month and it's not tech we need mm. or it's, it's um, aspirational tech is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. When, all you need is what you need to do your job right now, okay? If all you need is a Facebook page for your business, then that's all you need. If all you need is a, you know, a website, you can go and get a, a WordPress one or um, Squarespace, whatever is easiest for you, yeah. that's what you need to be doing. Everything else will flow as you grow. It's so easy to overcomplicate business, isn't it? It really doesn't it really have is. to be that hard. And tech's one of those spaces where people think that if they've got all of the bells and whistles, that's going to make them more successful in their business better. And for most businesses, it actually isn't oh, yeah. the case. Great point. Absolutely. Okay, so build a list from day one, find a mentor and get over your tech obsession. Really good words of wisdom and hindsight there. Thanks, Shell. All right, so let's get into your guru space. Let's talk funnels and copy and online marketing. Now, I just mentioned before, you know, I feel like copywriting has changed so much over the last decade. I'm showing my age now, but particularly with the rise of social media, there have been so many changes in the in the 11 years that I've been in business. It's ridiculous. And where I feel like the business world is now versus 11 years ago is a huge difference. So when I was writing for my business 10 years ago, it was wildly different to how I need to engage with people now. Let's get into funnels first of all, just in case people aren't clear on what a funnel is. Can you just briefly explain mm-hmm what funnels are so we're all on the same page please okay i'm going to start by explaining what they're not um because when you google funnels or you if you read a blog article about them or anything you get that image of that you know wide at the top narrow at the bottom like your kitchen funnel yeah that is not really a funnel i mean that model served us 30 years ago it Mm. doesn't serve now because funnels are a process So imagine you have like a long hallway with, say, five doors along it. People step into the hallway at the top of your funnel. So there's just the end door. They enter it because they read your blog post and got the content upgrade or uh, they signed up for your opt-in or, you know, however you are driving people towards your list. That's the top of your funnel. And you may even already have a funnel but not call it one because maybe it's not strategic or automated. But along that hallway are various things that you offer them. So the first door might be that opt-in freebie, and they can go in that door and they can engage with that, and then they can come out again. Well, then further along, there's another door, and that could be booking a call with you and things like that, and you go through various doors. But Mm. your funnel's job is to make sure that as they exit that room, they are ready to enter the next one. So whatever you've had to do in there, you know, explain the pricing, explain how you do it, um, maybe educate about why they need it, that's all happening within the funnel as they enter and exit rooms. So it really is all a process. And even if you've just got a phone call in there, that could be part of your funnel. If you're doing live videos, that's part of your funnel too. Even me going on this podcast becomes part of my funnel because it drives people at to the start of that hallway and the first door you might get a freebie. Yep. 
I love the analogy of the doors and the hallway. And I love the fact that you've moved away from that inverted triangle as well, which as soon as you spoke about it, I can very clearly picture exactly what you're talking about. So I love that. So we're on a hallway with doors. Uh, everybody's on the same page with funnels now. And I think you're right in saying that a lot of people probably already have a funnel. They just don't realize it or they don't call it that as well. Um, okay. So everybody can type, right? But not everybody can write well. Um, and I know, you know, that this copywriting and, you know, writing nurture campaigns and, and writing funnels is an area that we were talking about before we got on the podcast. Many, many, many of my clients struggle with, and I have definitely struggled with a lot over the years. And up to, you know, very recently, uh, which is why I signed up for your freebie and how I went through your email, um, your plug and play email templates, which are awesome, because it's definitely not my guru space. I'm not a copywriter. It's not something I found easy um, to do at all. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people make when it comes to writing their nurture campaigns and those, those pieces of content and collateral that go into their funnel? Okay. Well, about four big mistakes, really. Now, the first one is not having a nurture campaign. (laughs) And we see this all the time. You go and get a freebie, you've signed up, you know, however you found them, you say, give me the freebie. You get the email with the freebie. And then you don't hear from them for six months until they want to sell you something. So it's a huge missed opportunity because I don't know about you, but I've forgotten who they are or what they did. Maybe I didn't even open that freebie. So gone. And Mm. I'm going to unsubscribe from them straight away because they are strangers to me. Yeah. So the first mistake is not having a nurture campaign. The second one is being ridiculously formal. I mean, this isn't a letter to your school principal. (laughs) This is a chance for you to introduce yourself to someone about what you believe and the way you do things. And you wouldn't speak to your friends. Like if you met them at coffee, you'd be like, hey, girlfriend, you look fantastic. Why can't you include that in your nurture sequence? Why does it have to be, hi, Michelle, you look great. Have you lost weight? And you get that robotic (laughs) voice. So if your natural speaking voice isn't flowing through in the words, you can do things like actually speak your your emails and get it transcribed. Yeah. There's no no rule that says you actually have to type it straight from your head to the keyboard. You can have, you know, notes on a whiteboard. You can scribble on your phone, wherever you are. When you get a great idea, pop it in and it becomes part of your, your casual speaking. So... Relax, guys. Seriously. (laughs) Um, Number three is not being strategic. Uh, We know once we've signed up for a freebie, we're on someone's list, we're getting nurtured, it's nice to get to know them. That's fantastic. I mean, I love seeing pictures of your dogs and your cats and your workspace and all those kinds of things you're up to. But where are you taking me? Where's the goal? If I get to the end of your nurture campaign and I still don't know how I can work with you next, or you've told me 500 ways to work with you, none of them are going to happen. So you need to have one end goal at the end of your nurture campaign. And that could just be to book a call. That could be to buy uh, you know, a low-level offer. It could be to um, sign up for the wait list for your big course launch. But you have to have one goal. And that goal can change. You can go back and edit it every few months. We can have a couple of nurture campaigns and maybe the first quarter of the year you'll lead to this, the second quarter you'll lead to this. 
there, there are no strict rules, but you have to have some sort of strategy. Otherwise, it's, you know, when you meet someone at a party and they're just, you know, waving at everyone, that's basically what it would be. And you'll never really get what you want. And um, the last mistake is a big one, and it is actually why a lot of people get unsubscribes, and it's because they're not selling in the nurture campaign. So from day one in my email nurture campaign, my welcomes, things like that, you know I'm a business. You know it's not a charity. I'm going to offer you things. I'm going to tell you how you can work with me. Quite often we see people have you know, a nice nurture campaign, they get to the end of it, and then they go straight into a sales campaign and it's you know just suddenly like, bam, sales attack. And the person who's just being your lovey-dovey, they're shocked. And some of them actually reply and say things like, oh, I didn't know I had to pay for things. And it's ridiculously surprising that they thought you were doing this for free. So I say sell early and sell often. And it doesn't mean you have to go in super hard. You can just have down the bottom of your email, PS, uh, book a call with me right here. Super, super simple, very, very soft. But it opens that space for them to start thinking about working with you, to start thinking about buying your things. So definitely sell from day one. And these are all easy mistakes to fix. Super, super easy. I love those points, Shell, um, particularly the last one about sell early, sell often. I think that's going to be music to the ears of so many of my clients and listeners today because I completely relate to what you were saying about so often people don't have any sell in their nurture campaigns at all. And then, you know, once four or five or six emails have gone out, they suddenly hit their audience with this big sales email which is a completely different tone of voice and pitch to what they oh, were yeah. selling before and wonder why they get all these unsubscribes or no engagement. And, um, you know, from the conversations that I've had with many of my clients, they're really hesitant to have any sale in their email or they're, they're one or the other actually, or they feel like all the emails that go out should be promotions, which we have obviously lots of conversations about. No, that's not okay. Uh, but mm-hmm. I love your advice there, sell early, sell often. And the PS... It's such a good strategy, don't you think? It's just really nice where you can have some good, valuable content, but at the end, P.S., check this out or look at this thing or have you thought about joining here? And it's a nice, soft, warm way into actually starting to promote something. Yeah, I mean, imagine somebody is, you know, stuck in a hole and you're walking along with a ladder. You're not going to stand at the top of the ladder going, um, at top of the hole with the ladder saying, oh, no, you can't have this yet. You haven't been in the hole long enough. I love your storytelling. You've got such good analogies. They're brilliant. Yes, no ladder. Don't do that with your ladder. I also really loved what you said, number two, about being too formal, um, which is what I've talked about, you know, before pre my corporate days and then coming into business. Do you think that a lot of people are like that because they say come out of a corporate environment? Or why do you think we try to be overly formal is it a change in the way that we can now communicate because of social media and you know changes like that in the world I think it's because people still view emails as letters and Mm -hmm. even when we're taught how to use email I mean it was a long time ago that we were taught how to use email but they're taught that this is how you send a letter and in an organization which is what you know, you're being trained for, you would send a formalish letter to your manager. You would let them know, you know, updates on what's happening, things like that. And it would be semi-formal. But yes. then when you have your emails to your list, it's more like a friend. And the emails you send to your friend are so, so different. I mean, half the time 
there is no body of the email. It's just a subject line. It says, I saw Tom, he got fat. And that's the entire email. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Actually, on that point, I've got to ask you, this is completely self-serving, but I had somebody email me recently and say, Faye, I love all the stuff that you put out, but I find your emails too long, Um, which really got me thinking. And uh, because my emails are, you know, I've only just started putting in one image at the top and most of my emails, they're kind of long form. They can be turned into a blog post easily and they're just all in that one email. Um, do you, I don't know if this is a silly question or not, I'm going to ask it. Like, is there a, an ideal size of email to send out in a nurture campaign, do you think? I'm going to say no, but shake it up. So you can have a long one but then the next one needs to be shorter because otherwise you are known as the person who sends, you know, novel length emails. And then they think, oh, I don't have time to read this now. I'll read it a bit later. And they don't come back to it. Whereas if they never really know how long it's going to be, just that it's going to be awesome, then they're going to open it. They're going to read it. Yeah, that's a great point. Or I am. I like shaking things up as well. I don't know why I haven't done it with my emails. And I've got to write one today. So this is very good timing. Thank you very much. I told you it was (laughs) self-serving. Okay. Now I'm very conscious of time and I know that we could talk for hours. I've got a few more questions I want to ask you. Uh, We had Mm -hmm. Ellie Hurley, um, who's Australia's number one authority on messenger marketing chatbots, um, come on the podcast recently and run a masterclass for Shine this week. And it was really fascinating talking to her about the customer experience that you can create via chatbots and how messenger is really changing the way we communicate with our clients. What shifts are you seeing with that rise of chatbots and the way that we communicate with potential clients now? And I just wondered how your business might be evolving as a result of those changes. Hmm, That's a great question because I initially fought chatbots when they came out and I was like, I'm not going to do that. I am, you know, strictly email. I like to be able to tell stories and I can't do that in a chat, so I'm not going to do yeah. it. And then everyone was saying, you should use chatbots instead of email. It's got the amazing open rates. And I was just, you know, dug in my heels a little bit more because apparently, I mean, <laughs> extremely stubborn. But just this last few months, I have started engaging more with chatbots. And I've noticed that people have stopped trying to replace email with them and they're using them to supplement their funnel. So instead, yeah. you know, like in your nurture campaign, you would have a longer email. You would have a bot that kind of takes the key element out of that and it gives it to you in, you know, three or four lines max. And you can still send them to the same blog post, same Facebook Live, wherever it is you want to send them. You're still getting that conversion, but you've just got another touch point. And what I've found is people will actually engage with both sides. So they'll go and, you know, see the bot because it pops up and they kind of have to see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bot, a little bit forced still. I think they're <laughs> going to evolve a little bit more so they're not quite so in your face and yeah. that'll be nice. But, you know, they're engaging with that. And then they remember that, oh, this is awesome. I want to know more about this. And they see you in the inbox and they go and read that. So they're working together to increase conversions on both sides. And anything that's going to increase, you know, engagement is going to increase your sales down the line. So um, I'm loving chatbots and I'm starting to teach them to my students now. But what I'm not doing is teaching how to, I guess, be really annoying with chatbots. You know how sometimes you get a message every day and it's just every day, every day, every day. And they're not even about anything. It's just, you know, I wrote a blog post, come and read it. And it's like, 
I don't have time. Get off my Facebook because yeah. it blocks your Facebook and you were on there for something else. Yeah. So we, we're looking at doing chatbots as, I guess, an extra way to have conversations. And there's kind of a few places we have them. So I've put some on my website to answer questions and it's like a conversation with me. It's things like, can you help me with this? How much will this cost? Um, what should I do if things like that? Yeah. And it's just all activated like on keywords, which you would have talked about with Ellie. Mm. And I also have a separate bot that gives training and problem solves. So you can come oh. in and say, look, I need this. You can kind of go through like a wizard and I've created that. So it's just a different way to engage. And I've also started playing with blasts or what are they called? Broadcasts. Oh, broadcasts, um, yeah broadcast when I want to play and I sent one out a couple of weeks ago and all it did was have one word it had stop and two <laughs> buttons and I, it was is it hammer time or should I collaborate and listen um, <laughs> oh you do realize the start of my emails when I first started busy business women was the title of the email was stop collaborate and listen I knew that we were meant to be yeah, exactly but it's just an example of it is so easy to get that click and start the engagement yes. with one word. And all it was, you know, it was so targeted. It was like, if you get this joke, you're in a certain age group. So pre-qualified <laughs> immediately. And I did have a couple of millennials reply and say, what? <laughs> Confused. Well, really, I don't know what you're doing in my bot list, but you don't belong here. <laughs> But after that point, I took them through a, a little mini funnel towards, uh, I think it was a sales page, and they actually got lots and lots of clicks. And there was a bit of, you know, value and extra joking and engagement and things like that. And even if they didn't want to click that button, I gave them the option of saying, no, I don't want this right now. And if they tick the, the no, I don't want this right now button, I think I was sending them off to the shops or something because it was like Black Friday. And I, I sent them a, a gif of Mr. Bean driving his car with his, you know, sitting on the roof and the couch, he couldn't fit in it. <laughs> and it's another way to play. And it's so timely and I guess immediate engagement. Yes. So you can have a lot, a lot of fun. You don't have to be formal. There are so many formal ones out there. But what if you just used it to play? And if that's part of your brand, there's so much space for you to do that. Oh, and you do that so well. I'm, I did notice your bot this morning when I was on your website. I didn't engage with it, but guess what I'm going to do after we've recorded this? Completely <laughs> your bot, and I'm sure our listeners will be as well. And I really love what you said there about you're not replacing emails with chatbots, you're supplementing, because that's exactly what Ellie said as well. We had it, we, I can't remember quite what we were saying, but basically she said, you know, hang on a minute, I'm not recommending that you replace your email marketing strategy with chatbots. It is that you run them concurrently. And as you've just described, they can actually be used quite differently. Um, but I love the fun that you're having with it. So I'm going to totally hang out with your chatbot soon. Thank you for that. <laughs> okay. So what I'd love to know is some advice from you. What are the top three tips you can give someone who's keen to engage better with their ideal audience, um, but they don't know where to start in terms of writing an email nurture campaign? Mm, okay, first, I want you all to grab my email scripts. There's going to be a link and, and Faye's going to read that URL. Yeah. But basically, I'm giving you, I think there's like three emails in there, and all you do is fill in the gaps. It, it's not one of those ones that says, you know, introduce yourself and you have to work out how to do that. It's mm. all in there for you. And I just want you to pop in the associated words that need to be there. And seriously, don't be proud and think you have to go and write these from scratch. I mean, you can take what you've given and just rewrite it. That's fine. But 
they are, I guess they're a really good way to actually qualify who's going to be in your email because you want to, if they don't belong there, now's the time for them to unsubscribe. Yeah. You really want to keep the people who are ideal so you can engage more with them and that will increase your stats as you go through. Um, but it just creates a scene and gets them agreeing to the big outcome that you've got for them later down the track. And the more that you can continue preloading that yes, the higher your sales are going to be. So definitely go and grab those scripts. Second, know your next stop in the funnel. So we talked about having the nurture campaigns and they need to be strategic. Where is the next stop? And if it's a call, well, think about all the reasons they're going to say no. Why, why, would, why are they going to say, oh, I don't need to book a call? It'll be things like, if I hop on a call, you'll sell to me. Ugh, I hate that. I, I can't hop on a call. I've got kids around. All sorts of you know, reasons like that. And you are going to use your nurture sequence to flip those. And you're going to say things like, um, you know, storytelling around times in your business when you had the kids around and it was crazy and mm. the way you handled it and things like that. And that's going to work towards getting the yes. So whatever your next stop is, think about all the reasons they're going to say no and flip them. And that will become your nurture sequence. Uh, number three is just to arrange these objections into a storyline. And you can just screw them out on a piece of paper, use post-its and you know, make a mess, things like that. Yeah. But you're going to say, okay, objection one, objection two, change them around. And then underneath you know, that one, you'll say, okay, I've got a blog post that's really good about that. I'm going to link to that. You don't need to go and recreate all the content. All you're doing is assembling the pieces of the puzzle that you've probably already got. Yeah. And even if you don't have anywhere to send them to, it can just be a short email telling a story. And that will still work really, really well. I love it. I've written all of those down because I'm totally going to go through all of my nurture campaigns and fine tune them. But I, I honestly cannot recommend to our listeners enough to go and get your scripts because, as I said, that's how I found you to start with. You must have popped up into my Facebook somewhere and I downloaded those and that's where this whole adventure began. But it's because those scripts are super valuable and they're actually really easy to use and I've used them all. So thank you for that because you actually, it's a hugely valuable giveaway. It isn't uh, Like you say, it isn't the usual typical, this is where you write your introduction and this is where you write X, Y, and Z. You're actually giving us what to write, which is wonderful. All right, now I imagine with all these tips, there are going to be a lot of people kind of sitting listening to this and going, yeah, I want more from Shell, but I... I, you know, I know that I need to sort my nurture um, emails out. I know I need to sort my funnel out. It needs a big overhaul. Um, and for those of you listening and nodding to all of that, you know that you're not alone, which is exactly why we've got Shell on the podcast today. That's also why she's going to be running a Shine Masterclass uh, next month in January. And she's going to take us through how to write authentic, profitable nurture emails, which are four really important words put together. So if you're interested in joining us, and if you're listening to this past January, you can also get access to the recording. That's evergreen. Uh, so in this masterclass that Shell's going to be running for us, she's going to take us through a step-by-step method to overcome blank page panic. I love it. You are such a wordsmith. Blank page panic. I don't know how many times I've had that. Um, so that you not only become a nurture machine, but you're going to create relationships with long-term, that, sorry, relationships with long-term repeat sales. She's also going to take us through how to craft a high-impact authority introduction so that new subscribers actually read your emails and can't wait to hire you and buy your goodies. 
Then she's going to go through the extremely sensible strategy to reduce your unsubscribes, preload the yeses, and even create revenue from day one. Cha-ching. And then she's going to share with us simple nurture hacks that are going to 10x the value of your list, even if your list is teeny tiny. Um, Beautifully written. I want all four of those points. So again, self-serving, can't wait for your um, masterclass next month. So if you'd like to join us for that masterclass or listen to the recording, all you need to do is head over to the show notes where you'll also get the link to Shell's plug and play um, email um, email freebie and a whole load of other stuff to contact Shell. And we'll talk about that again in a moment. We just go over to busybusinesswomen.biz forward slash podcast 27. And that's where you can sign up to shine, join us for the masterclass. And we look forward to welcoming you into our tribe. You'll also get a bucket load of other wonderful biz building goodies uh, to help you build a business that booms. So if you're interested in doing that, go check it out. All right. So finally, before I love you and leave you and let you get on with your day, um, Shell, I'd love to know, is there a quote or a mantra that has really helped you over the years and has inspired you um, that has been useful in your business that you can share with us? Oh, they're so tricky. Mm. Um, I'm going to give you the, the quote that I keep giving myself. Yes. And it is something I keep having to remind myself. And I, don't, I just made it up. It's not a, a formal one you'll find on a postcard or anything like that. But it's, um, it's not about the tech. It's what you do with it. Oh, yes. It's not about the yeah. tech. It's what you do with it. From Shell Higgs, it is an original. So make sure you write that down, <laughs> listeners. I, I really like that because it goes back to the point before about, you know, don't get hung up on the tech. I think so many people, even like with this podcast, I lost track of how many times I've procrastinated over actually launching this podcast because the tech was getting be- the better of me. And when I say getting the better of me, it was all in my head because the tech actually isn't that difficult. Um, yes. So thank you for sharing that because I think with Nurture Campaigns, Funnels, you know, I've got lots of clients at the moment creating their first lead magnet and getting setting themselves up on MailChimp, for example, and just feeling like they're going to be bamboozled by the tech and it doesn't have to be that way. So I think that's an awesome quote. And, um, you know, everybody listen up. It's a very valid point. So thank you for that. <laughs> Okay, so I said I would uh, share some details if you want to get in contact with Shell uh, now, so I will do. First of all, you can get all of her contact information, the downloads that we've talked about over in the show notes, which is at busybusinesswomen.biz forward slash podcast 27. And if you want to jump over and get some more goodness straight from Shell right now, just go to thefunnelry.com and she's also at The Funnelry on Facebook too. Now, the freebie that we've mentioned before that is the reason I found Shell, and I'm so pleased I did, is called free plug and play welcome emails. And they're awesome. Trust me, you're going to want to want, you're going to want them quicker than you're going to be sent them, which is a really good thing. So they're a free resource for coaches, consultants, strategists, service-based stars, and it's all about getting your list addicted to you from day one, which I love. Is there anything you want to add to that, Shell? Uh, no, just something you you actually get these emails and you apply them because mm-hmm. I know we're all collecting freebies from all over the place, <laughs> but these emails are actually going to get you sales. So, you know, go and get them, load them up. You can even, uh, if you're in active campaign, you can just single click and it will import them for you. Oh, wow. I didn't even mm-hmm. realize super, that. Super I am. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I mean, nerd alert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm the yeah, fellow nerd. That's why I literally just jumped on my microphone as you said that. That's really good. Yeah. You literally could not have made people's lives easier with that freebie. 
genuinely couldn't. I, I really couldn't. Yeah. yeah and if you've right. already got a funnel that is not performing quite as well as you like, hop on the website and just um, go to thefunnelread.com slash fix and you can book me for a session to do a full review and, you know, an action plan on exactly what needs to happen on your funnel and where. So it's like copy tips, strategy tips, um, you know, even little mini right. rewrites, all sorts of really goodness. I think that's awesome because I think a lot of people will be sitting here going, they want more of Shell Higgs in their life right now, but where do they start? So get your freebie download, but go and book in for that call as well because that's the way that you're going to work out what's going to be the right option for you next and, and get the expert advice that you need from Shell. So sounds awesome. Thanks, Shell. I'll also put that link in the, in the show notes for you as well. Sure. Okay, so I'd like to say a huge thank you to you, Shell, for joining us today. I've absolutely loved it. As I said at the start, I felt like you were my kind of person and you absolutely are. Uh, you, The way that you write your emails is like writing to a friend and that's how I feel when I receive them. So you absolutely walk your talk or talk your walk or whatever that phrase is that I get wrong every time. So <laughs> thank you so much for being so generous and sharing with us today and being here and um, just being very entertaining as well. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved it. And I after feeling pretty frazzled from kind of Christmas lead up and the fact that you're on your last day before your kids finish for school, I cannot thank you enough for giving us your time and energy and effort. So huge thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So ladies, uh, I was going to say ladies and gentlemen, but this is for ladies. Uh, listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love you to leave us a review on iTunes, pretty please, and let us know how much you loved Shell. And if you'd like to hang out with me some more, I'd love to see you over on Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Busy Business Women, and you can find lots of biz building goodness over on my website at busybusinesswomen.biz. So thank you so much for tuning in today and listening. I really appreciate it. Love hanging out with you. I'm going to be back soon. Very soon again to give you more inspiration to help you build a business that booms but until then you've been listening to shell higgs from the funnelry and Faye hollands and this is the busy business women podcast bye-bye